On a brand new Josh Nason's Punch Out, I continue my look back at the year that was 2023 in the world of mixed martial arts, primarily the UFC. Let's be real here. Talking about April, May, and June with returning guest Paul Fontaine, as always. So, Paul and I go through these three months and talk all about Israel Adesanya reclaiming the middleweight title in front of a massive crowd in Miami and a massive gate for the UFC. The money just keeps rolling in. Of course, in May, Headlined by Francis Ngannou signing a huge deal with the PFL after a long run in the UFC. However, he wasn't set to fight till 2024. So what did that mean? Was it a good deal? Bad deal? Dana White didn't like it. Let's talk what uh, Paul and I think. Of course, UFC 288, the return of Henry Cejudo after a long absence to challenge Aljamain Sterling for the UFC bantamweight title. Then the retirement in June of Amanda Nunez after a victory over Irene Aldana to retain the bantamweight title. We talk about her legacy and talk about her uh, career and all kinds of other stuff. It's a fun hour coming up here. The year interview series for Mixed Martial Arts, Josh Nason, Paul Fontaine, part two of our four-part series begins on Josh Nason's Punch-Out right about now. Well, we're back once again for the second installment of the MMA Year in Review series, a four-part series looking at everything that happened in the true sport of Kings. Mainly, you know, we talk mostly UFC, and that's pretty much everything we talked about we're going to talk about in this episode. Not a lot going on in Bellator. There'll be more to come uh, later on in the year. But yeah, April, May, and June. Join me as he always does every uh, every go-round is Paul Fontaine of F4W Online and also the in the Clinch podcast, doing podcast appearances, other places, the Dynamite Show, all that good stuff as well. Paul, welcome back, and uh, we're almost here at the big day, December twenty fifth, coming up uh, very shortly. Yeah, ten days out as we're recording. I, I'm not sure when this gets posted, but yeah, big uh, big end of the year that we got you know coming up. We're just ahead of the as we're recording. Probably as most people are listening, the last UFC pay per view has already happened, and uh, we'll recap that in a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, these shows are always fun and looking forward to this one. Uh, big uh, three months we're going to cover here. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I I just I really enjoy these. I, I just can't say how much. Good. Great. I do, too. Yeah, let's uh, so let's kick off with April. Of course, you missed the first episode. You can always check that on WrestlingObserver.com and check on your podcast and punch out and you'll see Q1 there. So this again is Q2, April, May. In June, so we will start with the kind of the biggest event of the month, and we head to warm Miami, Florida, UFC 287, no, just over or nearly 19,000 people in Miami for the show, a 11.9 million dollar gate, tremendous gate uh, down there in uh, in Florida, headlined by Israel Asanya versus Alex Perea two, and Asanya knocking out the uh, the reigning then reigning middleweight champion to reclaim his title. After his Pahara moving back, moving up to 205 pounds, so his uh, his journey at 185 was done. Co-main event saw a Gilbert Bur- a Gilbert Burns take out Jorge Masvidal, the local favorite, rather easily. Uh, Jorge uh, Burns later claimed that uh, Masvidal greased himself in order to to uh, avoid being uh, ensnared, but uh, really didn't seem to matter for Burns, who uh, had a pretty easy night here. Later apologized for that claim, saying there really was no proof. 
Press conference afterwards saying he wants a title shot next or UFC should grant him his release. You know, that always goes good. Uh, Donald Trump was in the house. Raul Rojas Jr., the uh, I believe is still at the time, 19, may have been 20 years old at that point. And uh, I came off the uh, the Dana White Contender Series and so on, I believe. I believe. And then uh, kind of just a, an upstart. He's uh, suffered his first loss. Kevin Holland and uh, Jorge Mazel had a little bit of a dust-up during the week, a couple of different dust-ups between those camps. And Calvin Gaslam was on the undercard. He returned with a big win over Chris Curtis, I believe a decision victory there. But yeah, this was, you know, Israel Asanya, uh, arguably, you know, one of the top, I don't know, three stars, I would say, kind of in, in UFC, maybe top two, depending on kind of how you, you know, who's active, <laughs> who you consider active, and not maybe the top active star in a lot of ways. And yeah, he uh, he uh, vengeance on his foe from the kickboxing days and in that loss uh, for the middleweight title it ended kind of everything. And then uh, coming back with a nice uh, knockout victory here. And uh, yeah, this was um, again just another uh, noteworthy card in terms of business wise. A ton of money down there. Again, the uh, former president in attendance, a big fan of uh, Jorge Masvidal, going to you know the politics and. And that all stuff and possibly could have you know marked the end of Jorge Masvidal's very notable uh late career UFC run, uh, even though he's signed to a new contract and and all that, that uh you had this big run and then just kind of uh, faltered out near the end. But kind of get your overall thoughts on the show and, and uh, some of your key takeaways from it. Yeah. Um I yeah, the Trump thing was interesting because a lot of the fighters when they did their post-fight promos would kind of talk about it and and you know and it's kind of people i don't know what's the phrase the kind you kind of tell on yourself a little bit um with with some of these guys the way they talk and and there's a lot of talk on social media about it and um it's it's just really odd how ufc just kind of leans into that and whereas wwe just even though vince and trump are friends they just never wanted anything to do with Trump the last few years. Like, right. But Dana you know, White says, uh, Dana White says they're not about politics, right? They don't, no. they don't deal with politics. Right. Yeah. yeah well, right. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait and see when Joe Biden shows up at Cape side. And they, <laughs> they, yeah. See about that. Tall over him. Yeah. Raul Rosas jr. Was actually, he was still only 18. He, uh, oh, 18, he just turned 19, like in October, like he's really young. And this was, I mean, we kind of talked about this. This was like their version of Aaron Pico. You know, like they kind of put this guy into the fire. He was up against a, another undefeated fighter um, uh, in Christian Rodriguez, uh, who, you know, is, on his own would be a big story. He's only, I think he's only 22 uh, or sorry, 25. So still, still really young, but, but he took out him. He also took out Cameron Simon later in the year, who's another uh, really, really young guy that came off the contender series that, you know, they were really high on. And I'm just kind of shocked because Christian Rodriguez keeps knocking these guys out. And meanwhile, they're not really putting any promotional muscle behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kelvin Gaslam thing was notable, not just for his return, but I, I, I think it was this fight where Chris Curtis had gone on social media ahead of time and was complaining that him and Gasolum were on the pre-show and, um, and they, you know, thinking that they should be on the main card and not really thinking about the fact that, you know, the featured fight on a prelim for a pay-per-view is a really important fight. And, um, you know, and, and generally gets a pretty big audience um, on ESPN. I don't have the ratings here in front of me, but you know, like often there'll be well over a million, watching the the main event of the prelims and uh you know and, and that's a really important fight for ufc so they often will put guys that maybe aren't contenders but are big names 
in that spot as opposed to just kind of throwing them in the middle of a pay-per-view card. So um, the other thing, you didn't mention it, but a uh, guy that fought on this card that is someone to keep an eye on and we'll probably talk about him throughout the year. And he came off the Contender Series in 2022. Joe Pfeiffer um, got a really impressive knockout of Gerald Mishart. And I think he's got his first main event coming up. And uh, he's a guy uh, to keep an eye out on middleweight. He's won... He's had three knockouts in just over a year and just a really exciting fighter um, and uh, somebody that the promotion is really high on and uh, could be a guy, you know, like main eventing pay-per-views in, in another year or two. I think I've talked about this for a while. I'm trying to will it into existence, but <laughs> him and Bo Nickel are headed for a showdown at some point mm. and uh, I'm, I'm here for it. So, uh, yeah, good. but uh, fun show, you know, $11.9 million. I mean, you know, for a non-Vegas, non-Madison Square Garden show is pretty darn incredible. Um, and it just, you know, again, shows how hot UFC is. That's 19,000 fans. So we're talking $600 a ticket, average price, yeah. you know, in this economy. Pretty wild. Well, so you, I'm, I'm glad, brother, because we'll talk about some of these other gates. And when I was putting these together, kind of going through, it really stuck out. Because we're going to talk about this Kansas City show that, you know, 16,000 people, which is a, a awesome attendance. That was a $2 million gate, you know, but down in Miami, I mean, they're, when they're going to these areas that are uh, perceived to have a lot of money in them, those ticket prices mm -hmm. are going up and they're making a ton of money on the gate. So kind of, kind of interesting. Even the 2.1 million for, for Kansas city is pretty incredible though. Mm. When you look at like, I mean, Max Holloway is a big star and he was in the main event, but the rest of that card was like nothing. This was a loaded up card and yeah, but, and I mean, $12 million is unbelievable. Jorge Masvidal was was i'll say was because he's retired now i think but i mean really big star and, and definitely the biggest star on this show for the local fans and then israel adesanya as you said um probably the biggest active star and now he's kind of in a semi he's not retired but he's i think he's taking a year off so i mean they really like who's their big star now like john jones is out he's out Connor, who knows when he's going to fight again? Like right. it's you know those are the three big ones, and and then you've got guys like coming up, but nobody's really kind of established yet. So really, it's kind of the brand, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, or certain markets. You know, they go to London, and you know they can put Patty Pimblett on the card, or they can put um, you know like now it's Leon Edwards. Um, you know, certain markets they they have big stars, but um, yeah, but to do twelve million, and it's too bad that that Maswell's done because I think. You know, he could have probably been a draw for another couple of years, but yeah, he, uh, he doesn't need to fight anymore. He's got his own promotional company and uh, and he's not really competitive anymore either. So, mm -hmm. yeah, as we, well, as we saw here, it's too bad. The uh, the surge that he had didn't kind of go and didn't keep going, at least for a few more fights. It just there was yeah. no there was no kind of like slow ascent. It was just a drop like it was done. And yeah. it was like, okay, well, you know, he gets in there against some of these wrestlers. It's a, uh, it just, it's non-competitive, unfortunately. The big one we unfortunately didn't get to see was him and Connor. That would have been huge. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, you never know. Maybe, maybe one day in, uh, in uh, Mazadal's bare knuckle promotion or something like oh, there that. You go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You ne never say never. Let's uh, go through some of the other events uh, throughout the month. And we had, UFC returning to Kansas City, Missouri, 16,000 people for a $2.1 million gate. As I just mentioned, Max Holloway, the former uh, current, a uh, former featherweight champion and uh, the dominant force in that division for years and years and years, still sticking around there and uh, picking up a decision win over Arnold Allen. 
in the main event here. We had uh, Ed Herman and Zach Cummings, two uh, old school, longtime UFC fighters. And uh, after their clash at uh, Cummings won via third round TKO, both guys retired after the fight. And so, uh, again, two more guys from there, not superstars by any means, but, you know, Ed Herman, you know, I think of the, of the ultimate fighter. And one of these guys at light heavyweight would just, he just got constant. And Zach Cummings in a lot of ways too, but, you know, I just, I just associate Ed Herman so much with that, you know, that, t- that classic tough era that, uh, you know, see some of these guys go, uh, you certainly, uh, you'll feel a little bit older there at speaking of at some Barboza still sticking around and still knocking out guys in the first round, pick up a big win over a uh, Billy Carantillo. And then Clay Guida had a loss on the uh, the opener of the main card and had to grab the mic or ask for the mic because seemed like he was going to retire. He did not. And Dana White was not happy about that afterwards. So we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, UFC 71 Vegas, not a lot notable here. One of these uh, empty arena shows, uh, Sergey Pavlovich uh, knocking out Curtis Blades in the first round, so taking a step forward to uh, what would be an interesting year for him at heavyweight as we see kind of that changing of the guard, and we'll talk more about that in the future episodes. Then we had UFC Vegas 72, again, vacant arena. Uh, Renato Moicano was pulled earlier in the month at the main event due to injury. So then uh, they made Song Yudong versus Ricky Simon, or Ricky Simone rather, moved there instead. I think he was originally on the Kansas City card or the Vegas card. One of the two, and then he was moved, their fight was moved, and uh, Yudong winning the uh, fifth-round finish. Conor McGregor said he won a boxing match with Jose Aldo. Not an MMA match, but a boxing match. Don't know if we'll ever see that. UFC-owned Endeavor merged with WWE. I'm sure if you're on this website, you've heard of that before. Uh, the, of course, these early betting odds. I don't know where you could place these. Somewhere offshore. Uh, had uh, Derek Lewis as the first to join uh, the uh, sorry, the first to join the WWE from UFC. Paul Heyman called out Conor McGregor. Uh, you know, so you saw some of the. A little bit of crossover there, but I don't think many people expect uh, that much crossover uh, other than, you know, dual event weekends and things like that. But, you know, never say never. You never know. Uh, UFC 288 secured uh, Gilbert Burns versus uh, Bilal Muhammad as a co-made event. UFC 289 got Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez 3 for the uh, bantamweight title, women's bantamweight title, of course. There was some buzz and some bookings for UFC 290 for the uh, featherweight title unification bout between Andre of uh, uh, Alex Volkanovsky Eliara Rodriguez, uh, Bram Moreno's flyweight title fight set with Alejandro Pantoja, uh, Devson Figueredo, of course, the uh, Brandon Moreno uh, rival for so many uh, fights, was set to take on uh, Manel Cape. However, that was later canceled. And then Robert Whitaker, uh, always a contender there in his division, taking on the rising DDP and uh, uh, Drius Duplicius, right? Did I, did I pronounce that right? Uh, Drakus, Drakus Duplessis. Drakus Duplessis, <laughs> DDP, yeah. DDP. Yeah. As uh, DDP's uh, big 2023 was uh, really uh, in swing. We'll talk more about that later. Some buzz about UFC 294, a possible fight between Paul Acosta and, uh, and uh, Shemaya was talked about. A lot of buzz about uh, that one. Bo Nickel was set for his second fight in the UFC. Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald, too, joined the UFC Hall of Fame as a fight. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, the boxing match was confirmed for August, talked about for years and years and years. And Finally, was going to happen. We'll talk about that next episode. Charles Oliveira, Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush was off UFC 288 due to a Oliveira injury. The uh, cause of death for Stefan Bonner was due to a fentanyl overdose that was revealed. Mark Coleman and Tim Sylvia agreed to a slap fight. I don't know if it ever happened or not, but at least they were uh, they were down for it. Uh, it hasn't happened in uh, you know the big slap fighting organization. We'll see. It actually did happen. Jack Hermanson was out of his fight night headliner. 
against Brendan Allen due to injury. Dana White said that John Jones or Stipe Miocic was happening at Madison Square Garden in November. We get an official confirmation later on. And a former UFC fighter, Carl Roberson, and a friend were suspected of a burglary with uh, items totaling $200,000. So we have, uh, yeah, we have uh, Max Holloway doing his thing, Sergey Pavlovich, you know, some other things going on here. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, yeah, that, uh, that Ed Herman, Zach Cummings fight was, um, pretty memorable moment. Like if you watch all the shows like I do, you know, like there's a lot of the, you know, every weekend there's a show and stuff happens and every once in a while you get a really cool moment. And that was one of them. I mean, those two guys kind of both went out in their shield. I think Ed Herman had announced before the fight that he was going to retire either way. And then Cummings decided to, to retire, you know, kind of with a win in front of his family. Um, and it was just a really nice moment. And the two of them hugged and they shared a moment in the cage afterwards. And it was really nice. And then, you know, um, Clay Guida kind of ruined that, you know, a little bit later. And I, I, I like Clay Guida. I'm a big fan of his, but it was just really dumb what he did. Like he just kind of, he, they, they were going, trying to go off to commercial and he motioned the interviewer over. I think it was, um, might've been Paul Felder and he, you know, kind of, oh, come here, come here. And then it was, and he was like removing his gloves and you thought, okay. And he's like, I just need to say, I'm not going anywhere, you know? And it was just really dumb. Hmm. Um, And yeah, just kind of, it kind of ruined a really nice moment. Um, The Lawler McDonald two fight was nice. I, I, I saw that fight live in Vegas and uh, best fight I ever saw live. Hmm. Um, People, a lot of people I know, including my podcast partner, Ryan, uh, said it's you know the best fight he's ever seen, um, and I think Robbie Lawler might be his favorite fighter of all time as well. So you know it, that was pretty big. And both both guys, neither one was the same afterwards. So nice to see them get their flowers and and get into the Hall of Fame. Um, Stefan Bonner, I think if I'm remembering right, like we were doing this series last year uh, around the time that he passed away because I think it was just before Christmas. So mm, yep. um, finally, finally came out uh, in April. You know what happened, and it's too bad. Um, you know, but I, I've said for a while and I, I really hope I'm wrong, um, that I think a lot of these guys from this early era that were fighting all the time and, um, you know, like, and and dealing with the after effects of it, you know, are using different things and doing different things to try to cope with life after fighting and even the damage they did to their bodies while they were fighting both the damage and the weight cuts and everything. And I kind of, I worry about, you know, I I worry that it's going to be like, being a wrestling fan in the uh, early 2000s uh, pretty soon with, mm. with a lot of these uh, fighters, but hopefully, um, you know, the, well, I say hopefully UFC takes care of them, but my brain tells me better um, <laughs> with yeah. their record profits and, and record low money paid to fighters. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was really sad to, to see that and, and hear about that. And uh, on a similar note, I don't think that Mark Coleman to Tim Sylvia fight ever happened, but uh, <laughs> It was uh, certainly, I mean, we, we did get uh, Pat Militich uh, returning to the cage, which we'll talk about in a future episode, but we not either of these two. Yeah, quite a, uh, yeah, I share your sentiment for the, there's going to be a run, uh, unfortunately, that some of these guys going to be a lot yeah. of brain trauma. It's going to be a lot of like, you know, so-and-so is in bad shape. So-and-so is in bad shape. So-and-so is in bad shape. So-and-so it, it's inevitable. You know, I, I think this generation now, you know, I think, uh, you know, for the, this generation of fighters now, we're not, there's still going to be some stuff in the years ahead, but not as much just because no science is not fighting. 
Yeah, they're not fighting as much. They don't. And they're smarter, you know, they're, right? They're not doing yeah. all the sparring necessarily all the time. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some that obviously still are. But and yeah, to your point, it's just like wrestling. You have younger groups. Yeah, every generation kind of evolves and they learn and they're like, I want to preserve my body and make the most money. How do I do all these things? Whereas back then they're just like, I need an opportunity. I'll fight for five thousand dollars. I'll do that. You know, wherever, wherever it takes yeah. and short notice, weight cutting. Yeah, I think I think we're unfortunately going to be in for a run here in a couple of years. Yeah, the the weight cutting is still an issue and and something I worry about too. But mm-hmm. um, you know the 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 trauma for sure, and the and the 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 pain pills and the you know non prescription drugs. That's yeah, that, that's that's the bigger issue I think. Yeah. And steroids, you know, probably still too. Yep. So yeah, well, let's flip to May and we'll kick off with a signing versus an event yeah. for what I think was. Probably the biggest uh, news of the month, which was former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou, found a home in MMA. That would be, be for the the PFL. He signed a big deal there. Uh, remained open for for boxing, still being an option. There was the uh, essentially signed to their Super Fight pay per view division. At this point, they said he was not going to. He was going to have his MMA debut for PFL in 2024. So again, you know, this is in May 2023. This was announced. So it's like, okay, we're not going to get to see this guy really. <laughs> for uh for another year or so so I, you know we'll kind of that remains to be seen how they're able to kind of leverage that when he's going to fight who they're going to be able to have him fight that's of interest and so on and so forth but you know his boxing debut certainly helpful we'll talk about that in a future episode uh you know dana white asked about this during you know one of the press conferences and one of the many ufc events during the month and uh, you know it was somewhat complimentary but then went right into kind of the anti you know there's no logic behind the deal his um you know just you know, incapable of, of any type of just like, you know, good for him and drop it. They just, there's just these constant kind of just like jabs towards PFL. This would be a case, you know, throughout this month, uh, these few months, actually, there was just little things he was asked about him and, and uh, not very complimentary uh, about PFL or this deal. And clearly some, you know, some bad blood there. We'll talk about some, uh, some co-promotion stuff he was asked about, which he bristled at later on, but Francis Ngannou, you know, at least he, you know, as part of this too, I think he was uh, also, given the role of like the, their, um, I would say the head of PFL Africa or Nigeria. I'm trying to remember what it was, but yeah. essentially that he would oversee fire development in, uh, in his, uh, you know, essentially his original part of the world, so to speak. And so that was kind of part of it. So, you know, there was, uh, uh, uh Jake Paul, uh, who's also part of this PFL division made kind of a big deal of it. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how this blossoms, but you know, he, he made some money. Uh, he was able to box, which is good. And he made some money there. And then, you know, there's this, uh, you know, we get this all the time, WB and AW people get very brand friendly and brand protective. And I think a lot of people were just like, Oh, it's such a mistake. He should have just signed with the UFC and do this, you know, selfishly. Cause they, they want to see him fight the best in the world, but he did what's good for him. And again, we'll see kind of how this turns out, but this, you know, this was, you know, a pretty big sign from PFL and, they uh they have some goals for 2024 and some some ways to get there and we'll talk more about how they're hope to get there later on in the series but yeah Francis Ngannou had a new home officially yeah I mean I, I probably other than when Ngannou um you know fought Tyson Fury this might be the biggest news outside of UFC in you know in 2023 I would think yeah. uh, well no I guess the merger of Bell Bellator and PFL probably as well would would be probably number one but um. It, they they announced it. They called it a strategic partnership, and uh, yeah, they gave him uh, equity in the promotion as well as a leadership role that included a uh, being the head of PFL Africa, which 
at that point didn't exist and as far as i know still doesn't um there's like there's, there's not like they've promoted any shows or anything but i guess they intend to um there is like a pfl europe um so maybe the idea is that they're going to do a similar thing in africa but they haven't really announced any plans for that yet um they also said that him and um and and you mentioned jake paul and kayla harrison would be cornering their super fight division which would be the pay-per-view arm of uh, PFL. Now they did do a pay-per-view at the end of the year, which was the finals of the uh, million dollar tournaments, as well as Kayla Harrison, uh, you know, on the card uh, fighting. So potentially that could happen as well. But again, no fights have been announced for either him or Jake or, or Jake Paul. Um, So, I mean, all these plans, He's been with the company for, you know, signed in May and it we're now, you know, December, almost yeah, so January, se- seven months. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. yeah and nothing, you know, like <laughs> he hasn't done anything, but you know, he's done a lot of interviews and promotion and showed up at a couple shows. And, um, you know, and certainly when he, when he fought Tyson Fury, you know, they, they made a point of, you know, mentioning PFL and everything, but I think in most people's eyes, like, you know, if they see him, they probably are still thinking UFC, but I guess the idea is, to associate his name with those letters PFL and um, you know, and now with PFL later on acquiring Bellator, like they're either trying to become a number two and, and you know, they probably are the number two, but the question is, is there a market for a number two in MMA? And uh, like, I don't think this is like professional wrestling where a number two can be a valuable contender because I don't, Dana White said that this deal doesn't make any sense. And Dana says a lot of things, but I agree with him in this sense that, you know, like nobody goes to these shows, nobody buys the pay-per-views, nobody watches them. I mean, I say nobody, I mean, a very small amount of people, their finances make no sense at all. And they get all these investors and, you know, and, and they've always announced that, you know, I think they got the Saudi fund and uh, invested a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. in them. I mean, that's great. That's going to pay the bills, you know, as till they get more investors, but there certainly aren't fans that are paying for any of this. Like, you know, I, I think their pay-per-views did probably under 5,000 people. Um, you know, we know what, how many people they're on ESPN and, and they struggle to do like 200,000 viewers on main ESPN. So um, it's, it's tough. And then they're paying like exorbitant amounts of money for some of these people. I mean, they, six people won a million dollars, you know, in their, in their tournament. And there probably isn't six people in UFC that make a million dollars a fight. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and, and, and who knows what they paid Francis. I, I don't know if they ever announced a, a money figure, but I, I believe he's making, I believe they said he's going to make $3 million a fight. I want to say, I, I, I could be wrong on that, but that number sticks in my head for some reason. Sure. Um, and, there's no way between gate and, and pay-per-view buys, like they're even grossing anywhere close to $3 million for a show that he's on. So it, it, it does make no sense, but they're trying it. Yeah. We'll see after how much ESPN, and I assume they're fully invested. I mean, they, they signed into a new deal, which we'll talk about at some point, but when Francis and Ganu's, uh, you know, this first fight's coming up, I assume they're going to give it the hard push. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't think it's going to go from, you know, this to this overnight, but I, I'm I'm interested to see kind of what they do this year. If Jake Paul has mm-hmm. his first MMA fight, which I believe is is the idea is it's going to be 2024. If they're able to to pop any kind of number for that, um, you know, I think that'll be interesting. We'll see. I know he's boxing this weekend, so you know, is it, it blew him off that rose completely? We'll uh, 
you know, we'll see. I, you know, I, I think 2024 is going to be really a, you know, interesting make or break year for them. And again, if they have the Saudi money, if they're able to kind of do some stuff, you know, I, I, I it's interesting because there always has to be a number two, but to your point, the number two is just, it's a tough business. I mean, look with every number two is got swallowed up essentially by the UFC at some point. And I mean, with strike force and WEC and, all these other alternatives eventually they got, you know, and, and pride, obviously that they got bought out. So it's a, it's a tough road to hoe, especially the other angle is that, you know, Mark Shapiro, this Endeavor or TKO head, both head of both, I guess you'd say, uh, they want to do more said he wants to do more UFC fight nights. So <sighs> it's hard when you, if you start really kind of angling out and blocking out all the weekends and saying, you know, look, we could run 50 weeks a year. That's a, that's a lot, you know, and that's a lot mm-hmm. for PFL to try to sneak in there and say, okay, what are we going to run the two or there? There's going to be inevitably some head to head or some unfavorable nights or, you know, it's a, you add in contender series and all this stuff. It's going to be trying to get that, that sunlight to have people see you is going to be more difficult. If UFC really starts doing more shows and they do what about 40, is it 42 to 44 they shows? Did 42 this year, not including contender series or or ultimate fighter. So yeah. That's 10 I mean. weeks. 10 weeks of, of of sunlight, daylight, you know, and mm-hmm. that someone could sneak in there. And some of those are unfavorable. Yeah, it's uh it's gonna be hard. And that's not in, and that's not including, you know, you got football, baseball, basketball, sure, pro wrestling, you know, like there's a lot of things competing for these eyeballs. And and PFL, like I'll watch their shows if they're on TV, but I don't watch them live and I skip through, you know, I just kind of watch the fights. But how many people are even like me? Like I watch every UFC. You're a you're a you're an MMA fan, but you're probably way more casual. You're mm-hmm. not even watching all the UFCs. PFL isn't even on your radar. No, you know, like I mean, it, but I'm sure like for something like Nganu or or Jake Paul or you know, that that you might make some time for. So yeah. you know, you're probably right. Like that's the key. How many people can they draw to their company when they finally do get to these big fights? And how much wow. are the pay-per-views, right? I mean, if they're going to be a $75 thing, it's like, no way. Well, they, <laughs> you know? they charge 50, you oh, know, the, like yeah. I was, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I, I mean, I wasn't going to get it anyways, but there's no way I'm paying $50 for PFL because when you look at the card, it was basically just the same as the card they do every time they run on TV. Like it's like, I'm not, you know, other than Kayla Harrison and I'm not paying $50 to see Kayla Harrison. Like, sorry, I like Kayla Harrison, but <laughs> she's not quite that. So let's flip to uh, UFC results. UFC 288 from beautiful Newark, New Jersey, the Prue. <laughs> 17,559 for $5.1 million gates. It's still a really good gate there. Uh, in uh, Again, beautiful Newark, New Jersey, where I was for AEW Full Gear a couple of years ago. That was uh that it's quite a town. I'll put it that way. No place to find breakfast anywhere in there. Walking on 9 30 in the morning, nothing is open. It's just cold New Jerseyites. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. Won't be coming back anytime soon. Anyway, we had Aljamain Sterling finally facing the returning Henry Cejudo. The guy's been talking seemingly since the day he quote unquote retired. Finally came back. And Aljamain Sterling edging him out to retain his bantamweight title. Dana White saying after the show that Sean O'Malley was up next, likely for August. And Aljamain did not really care for that. There was some uh, Dana White drama, uh, of course, these two throughout the month with uh, Aljamain hopefully was hoping for September, October instead. And UFC saying, no, we want this uh, for August. We'll talk more about that result later on. But there was some uh, some heat between those guys. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right. 
Jianen Yan. Did I get that right? Uh, sure. <laughs> and had an upset of uh, yeah. Je- Jessica Andrade uh, in uh, one of the, uh, the main card fights there. So uh, Yan, of course, Yan from China. That opened up more discussion about when UFC is going to go back to China. And because uh, Weili Zhang will talk more about, or Zhang Weili rather, will talk more about her in just a second in this month. So it's a question about again, what, when they could head back. And then Bilal Muhammad uh, picking up a decision win over Gilbert Burns in the co made event. And uh, Burns later revealed he tore his shoulder in the first round, was still able to, uh, to plow through and all that. But yeah, I mean, the big news here obviously was the return of Henry Cejudo. And it was a. Uh, you know, an interesting name trying to win a, an, another championship after being out for what four years longer? Yeah, something like that. And, four years, yeah. And, and I mean, we've done these series, and he never stopped talking about coming back. He's like, oh, "I'll come back for this. I'll come back for this." And then a year would pass back, pass by, and nothing would happen. And then he comes back and uh, has a, a pretty competitive fight for the most part with with Azumain Sterling. You know, and get KO'd or submitted in the first or anything like that. And he would come back later in the year. We'll chat more about that. But yeah, he uh it was just interesting. He came back and then Aljamain, who who really has been this um uh beleaguered 135 pound champion, which I never saw coming, but just the way he won the title, it's just it's been hard for him to really come back from that in terms of the fans' eyes. There's just this thing where a lot of people just don't like him for whatever reason. I thought, you know, when when he was kind of on his rise, I'm like, this is gonna be this is going to be a name for them because he's personable. He has a, a fun style and so on. And, you know, the New York thing and, and all that. And it just, after that kind of the way he won and how we talked about it afterwards and that uh, DQ victory over Peter Jan, it was just was like, like, okay, it just, it just never, it never really has, has connected. And then of course, you know, when you started arguing with Dana White, then you have all that stuff, but yeah. What, what do you remember about this fight and uh, this event? Um, well, I do remember that fight being pretty close. Um, you know, obviously it was a split decision. Um, you know, all Joe and uh, Henry Cejudo. I was one of the few media members that actually scored it for uh, Henry Cejudo. Mm. And you know, as you know, if you watch UFC, often my my scores appear on the screen. And uh, I did take a little bit of flack from uh, the uh, tw- I think it was still Twitter at the time uh, community um that uh you know were, were on me about my score and it led to uh, a fun uh episode of uh in the clinch because ryan and i were arguing about the uh about one particular round so i decided to put the round up and watch it in real time and and kind of you know discuss it and i still am convinced that henry cejudo won that <laughs> round even though you know ryan and everyone else thinks uh sterling did so it was, it was kind of fun uh, we put it up on YouTube, and and it was a, it was a fun discussion. But uh, I I thought the um, one of the interesting things has happened in in this show as well. You know, we had uh, Gilbert Burns fighting for you know the second pay per view in a row uh, in the co main event, and uh, this time he lost to Bilal Muhammad. And uh, you know he had that injury in the first round, but Muhammad looked really good, and he's got this super long win streak. He's definitely earned a title shot, and probably should have got the shot against Leon Edwards, but. Um, you know, Colby Covington, as, as we speak, is scheduled to fight tomorrow for the title. And he's already gone on record as saying if he wins, he's not defending against Bilal Muhammad because he feels that Bilal's a racist and, uh, you know, pot, kettle, black, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's it's very interesting because not a lot of people want to fight Bilal Muhammad because he's real tough and he doesn't have a huge name. Yeah, that's and, the problem, uh, right? Yeah. He just yeah. Does, he's not a star in that that they don't see him on that level yet. Yeah. 
No, but I mean, he's, you know, he's won. Like the last time, the last fight he didn't win was a no contest against Leon Edwards, who's a champ now. And but before that, you're going back almost five years to when he lost a decision to Jeff Neal. So, it, you know, in that time, he's had nine straight wins against top names, you know, um, you know, Diego Lima, Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, Sean Brady, who's looked, you know, incredible recently. And, and, uh, so yeah, I uh, you know big things hopefully in the future for Bilhan Muhammad and uh, but but it's going to be interesting if if Colby Covington wins that title because um, you know he he's gone on record as saying he doesn't want to win or fight him and I also uh, Charles Jordan is a guy who uh, you know kind of had a bit of a coming out party by uh, beating Cron Gracie on the main card and that's mm. a favorite of mine he's a Canadian fighter and he's real tough and uh, he's he's got some big. You know, he's going to have some big fights lined up uh, come up in the future. In fact, I think he's fighting next month in Toronto. Uh, yeah, on the undercard of Strickland and Duplessis. So uh, I'm personally looking forward to that one. But uh, yeah, it, you know, a, a solid card. I'm not, you know, I'm sure this one didn't do a ton of pay-per-view business. Um, although if it, you know, it, we didn't get a number, so it probably didn't. But, you know, in terms of like 135 pounders, like it doesn't get much bigger than Henry Cejudo returning and Aljamain Sterling. You know, it was a, you know, I think he's a guy that I don't think got the respect he deserved as a champion. And, uh, you know, he's, he's since lost the belt to Sean O'Malley. Um, and now, you know, you kind of look back and you think, eh, you know, maybe he's better than we gave him credit for. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does in the future. But, uh, yeah, nice win over Henry Cejudo. And now we'll get another four years of Henry pretending that he's going to fight again. <laughs> let's uh let's go through the rest of the month here uh we had ufc on abc4 in charlotte north carolina eighteen thousand seven hundred twelve. wow two million dollar gates down there in uh kenny omega territory if you yeah. if you know you know uh jalton almeida submitting yair rodriguez in the first round so another uh, emerging name as heavyweight at heavyweight uh matt brown knocking out court mcgee setting the UFC knockout record in the process. How about that? Longevity there. Uh, Ian Machado Gary, uh, a guy who's had a lot of the headlines over the past or recent weeks out of this weekend's uh, UFC card due to pneumonia, uh, picked up a head kick win over Daniel Rodriguez. And then Johnny Walker picking up a win over Anthony Smith, one that did not impress Dana White, if you listen to him in the post-event press conference. UFC Vegas 73, again, empty house. Mackenzie Dern returning to action. Defeating Angela Hill in a unanimous decision in the main event. And we had uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira uh, knocking out Michael Johnson in the first round. I include this because I did not realize Michael Johnson was still fighting <laughs> after oh, yeah. all these years. It's crazy. I was going through, so I, I going through the, you know, the different results and, and things like that through the month. And, you know, uh, I saw, you know, Carolina Kovalkiewicz still in the UFC, uh, Michael Johnson still in the UFC. Um, there was a few others as well, just names that just have been around. Forever, and they're still, you know, UFC being so uh, so cut happy these days, you know, getting younger and uh, cheaper fighters on. It's interesting some of the names that are still kind of kicking around. Um, UFC 289, uh, Irene Aldana replaced uh, Julian Pena in the uh, UFC bantamweight title fight we just talked about a few minutes ago against Amanda Nunes, and then uh, Raquel Pennington was on standby for that fight in case Aldana was going to drop out. Tony Ferguson, excuse me, Tony Ferguson charged with DUI. Allegedly ran his car into a few cars, and uh, one of them being rapper Cash Gotti's car, which uh, he actually caught on video, which uh, you can see that. Uh, Robbie Lawler, you just mentioned him, set to retire at UFC 290. Tom Aspinall versus uh, Marcin Tybura was set for a July fight night headliner at London's O2 Arena as uh, Tom Aspinall. We're talking a lot about him 
uh, throughout this uh, series. Josh Emmett versus Ilya Tapuria was moved to a June 24th fight night main event instead of the card it was originally slotted on. At this point, it was the 13th main event change uh, of the year for the UFC. Uh, seems to be the case every single year. More shows, more changes, and all that. Uh, UFC announced they were going to crown a new BMF champion with uh, Jorge Masvidal essentially being, I guess you'd call stripped of this ceremonial title, if that's even a thing. Uh, and the new champion uh, was set to be crowned between uh, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier at UFC 291. Uh, UFC 287 has uh, got uh, Jan Blokovic versus Alex Mejia. We just talked about him in uh, Mejia's uh, light heavyweight debut. UFC 292 got the return of former champion Zhang Wali. Uh, Conor McGregor said that his USADA issues were quote-unquote done. He didn't really give much insight on that, but essentially the, the path is going to be cleared to him. At this point, supposedly going to fight um, uh, Michael Chandler for the end of the year. That, of course, not happen. But again, this repeated questions about what's going on with Conor and USADA and UFC. Uh, we're continuing uh, in, in to go in May. Uh, we just mentioned Mackenzie Dern filed domestic violence restraining order against her ex-husband. And this I somehow had missed. The UFC and Adam Sandler working on a comedy about working in the UFC offices. I, I can't even imagine what this would be, but uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I would uh, I, I can't wait to watch this of how bad it's going to be. Thoughts about any of that? I agree. I, I had the exact same thought about uh, UFC and Adam Sandler, and I'd completely forgotten about it, but I do remember when it was announced and just thinking like it actually could be funny. And uh, it I, sounds like something that would be on Netflix. And, uh, you know, if if, if uh, Adam Sandler was playing the Dana White role, I, you know, I, I think that could be could be a lot of fun. Um, you when you bring in when you round when running down these cards and the things that happen and everything and I remember these, um, you know, these big events, UFC in Charlotte, you know, with the 18,000 fans and, and the, you know, everyone going nuts for the Matt Brown KO and the, uh, you know, Ian, Ian Gary, and he cut a great promo afterwards. And, um, you know, all this stuff happens. And then, and then you go to UFC in Vegas and they're in an empty arena, uh, you know, in front of, well, I mean, they're not quite empty. They, they have like, you know, maybe 50 people in the, sure. in the building, you know, friends and family. And yeah. it's, well, they sell tickets, but they're so expensive that nobody buys them. And uh, so it's it, it's really frustrating. And and this is a major league sport. And when you turn on and you watch every every show like I do um, and you see these shows that have, you know, like big stars, you know, big, you know, relatively speaking in the in the world of MMA um, fighting and 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 they're like nobody's there and and it, it, you feel really bad and and it feels like cheap and no sport would do this like the nfl is not fighting you're not not doing games in an empty building and the nhl is not doing that we did it in the pandemic because we had to but i don't know why they're still doing this and they're planning to keep doing it in 2024 there's no tangible reason because we talk about these gates too like they're doing two million dollars when they go to charlotte for like you know the similar names as are fighting on these um mm. empty arena shows like they obviously have no overhead because they're you know the, the equipment's all there already so they don't you know the production's probably in-house so the, the the costs are are limited and they're getting the same amount of money for these shows i think they're getting like 13 million dollars on average from espn so um but but they're they're missing out on those gates and i i just i just don't get it but they're still doing it and it, it is like i said it's extremely frustrating and i know people that are big MMA fans that what they'll do is they'll turn on ESPN or ESPN plus. And if the show's coming from the apex, 
they're like, oh, okay, never mind. This isn't important. And they shut it off and they go watch something else. Hmm. So, yeah. And, and I, I get it, you know, like, why would you want to watch that? And, and then, but not only that, it's like, you're kind of sending a message that, oh, okay, this, these shows aren't important. If they were, we'd have fans there. And the big shows are all in big, you know, the pay-per-views are in front of fans. The big fight nights are in front of fans. And so the lesser shows that aren't in front of fans, oh, you know, if you're going to skip something, skip this one. Yeah. And it's too bad because sometimes the shows are really good, but um, they definitely lose something uh, not being in front of fans. Um, other than that, you know, like it was all just kind of this similar stuff. Uh, I, again, the, the UFC, the Robbie Lawler retiring would happen on the same weekend that he was inducted in the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that on the next show. Um, that was really cool. Um, the, and and just, he went out best retirement ever. Like, and we'll talk about that next month, but, uh, or next week, but it was, it was awesome. So I'm, uh, I'm old enough to remember a time when the only empty arena fights in UFC were an ultimate fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And now it's every week. I mean, Crazy. not quite every week, but yeah. And, and well, at least they have commentary on these ones. Um, but, True. uh, yeah. yeah, but, but I mean, it's, but even then, like you can, the fighters can hear the commentary. I mean, that's, it's, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> And we round out with June, and a not really newsworthy June. Uh, I'll say that. We had USC 289, uh, nearly uh, 18,000, uh, and I didn't even write where this actually was. USC 289, where was this in? Uh, I I want to say it was Houston, but let me just it was, wait. Uh, while you look at it, while I looked up yeah. nearly eight. Oh, no, it's Canada. It was, um, it was uh, Edmonton. Vancouver. Or, um, Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver, yes. Uh, Highest gate and highest attendance, I want to say, for a fight. Not not attendance because the Australia show, but highest gate for a fight headlined by women. Interesting. Yeah, nearly eighteen, nearly eighteen thousand in the uh, Rogers Center uh, for three point eight million dollars at the gate. Amanda Nunez uh, decisioning uh, Arena Aldana to retain the bantamweight title, and then the champ champ retired after she her run is done for now. You never know. Again, fires never retire. Just waiting for the next big paycheck. Charles Oliveira knocking out Benil Dariush and uh, picking up most two uh, uh, all-time honors, uh, most finishes and most bonuses. Most finishes he already had, so kind of extending that lead. And the most bonuses, he was tied at 19, I think I remember right, with Donald Cerrone and uh, ended up being 20 there. And also during the show, a barricade broke and a bunch of fans spilled out. Uh, no one was uh, that severely hurt, but that was also uh, somewhat newsworthy from this show. But yeah, we had uh, the the champ champ. And and really, you know, I think would she, she had a, a run that was, uh, I think, respected, but she never got to that Rousey level yeah. by any means, despite how just dominant that she was and that's when she really kind of got on my radar was that that uh that rousey fight because if you remember and i know you do uh the rump to the rousey fight like the posters and all of stuff was it was just rousey and then like nunez it like a very small yeah. like small print she was being treated as an afterthought and then she ripped through ronda rousey like it was, it was nobody's business and uh, that's i was like you know the, the moment certainly isn't too big of her. She went in here and, and killed this fighter. Uh, and that was really, you know, when she, she really started sticking out to me in terms of just how, uh, what a force she was. And then she, she maintained that, you know, she had the dip like all fighters do and, you know, finishes went to decisions and so on and so forth. But look, she has a you know young family and, you know, what else is there for her to do? The competition's not there. I, I mean, the featherweight title is not, that's non-existent now at this point. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, Correct. that's yeah, that's they, gone away. They don't even really have a division anymore. 
Yeah. And they barely did when she was fighting. It was pretty much just try to find uh, fighters that could bulk up to 145 or, you know, after the, you know, Megan Anderson's and some of these legit 145ers were gone. It's like, that was the point of having anymore. So yeah, I mean, she basically retired the division and uh, the bandweight title would be done as well. So yeah, a, a, uh, an end of an era in a lot of ways. And one that probably I think we'll look back on and be like, you know, she should have been a bigger deal, but you know, that's kind of how things go sometimes. Yeah. I mean, overall, like, you know, obviously a very a hall of fame career uh, for sure. Um, you know, 16 and two in the UFC, that's, you know, you don't see a lot of fighters with that kind of record. Um, and uh, you know, big wins. You mentioned the Rousey win, and uh, you know the the t- certainly the the fight where she won the title at UFC 200 for Misha Tate. I was there live, saw that, um, and then the Cyborg fight that kind of cemented her. I mean, yes. at that time, I mean, people were regarding her as the you know as as the best women's fighter of all time, and that was back in 2018. So you know, five years ago already, and then she you know she went on to you know, win another seven fights after that. And at that time, I, I think I was saying she's forget women. Like she's one of the best fighters of all time. Like with, with her resume and the people she'd beaten, she'd all, I, you know, she'd also beaten Valentino Shevchenko twice, uh, Sarah McMahon, Jeremy, Jermaine Durandamy, you yeah. know, um, you know, and, and then it just became a, a thing of, they, they ran out of people to put her against. And, uh, you know, she got a little bit more legs when she got upset by Juliana Pena, you know, coming off of COVID, but then she avenged that loss, uh, which I think was kind of on her bucket list to do before she retired. And then leading up to the Aldania fight, like she was supposed to fight Peña again. And then uh, Peña pulled out. And then so they made it against Aldania. And then at that point, she was just done. So, um, you know, certainly that's the most memorable thing from this show. Um, I thought the other thing that was was and you mentioned that barricade breaking and it happened in the uh, during the entrance for Mike yes. Malott. Mm. And Mike Malott is a guy who is a potential future star for the Canadian market. Um, he had a kind of a coming out party here uh, submitting Adam Fugit in the second round. And he's got a big fight coming up next month in Toronto. And um, he is, uh, again, a guy to keep out for. His brother is, plays in the NHL, or he has an NHL contract anyways. I, he actually is uh, signed with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, mm. you know, my hometown. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a guy that he started, he became a professional fighter, like, you know, in the pandemic. And so he's, you know, pretty young at this, but he's, uh, I believe he's a member of team alpha male and he, or, or no, sorry, it's the Garrett top team. He might've been, I, th- I thought he was with alpha male at one point, but he, uh, he coached a lot of guys and then, uh, you know, and then he decided to fight himself and, and he's been really successful coming to the UFC. So another guy to keep an eye on. Um, and then, you know, a lot of Canadian fighters on the undercards, really good night for Canada. Um, I think they won every single one of their fights, including uh, Diana Belbita in the opener, who is not Canadian, but I think she's married to a Canadian or she fights out of Canada or something. So she was an honorary Canadian for the night. And uh, yeah, they won. They they went undefeated. So it's uh, very few Canadians actually signed to UFC. So um, that's something that uh, Dana White needs to work on. Yeah, yeah, and they got a new partner, as we'll talk about, I think, later. Uh, they're moving to Sportsnet next month so mm. from TSN. So. Yeah, I was I was looking back uh, at Nunez's record. Yeah, so the the featherweight championship the, the last time she defended was March two thousand twenty one. She vacated the title yeah. two two years later. She actually vacated. I didn't have that. Uh, yeah, it would have been this month. Yeah, she actually vacated the title actually with this uh, with this win. Yeah, so she that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, she had the title for two years leading into this, and then it was like you know a few days later it was like done just like that. No, yeah. no, yeah, they. 
they, I mean, they have, you know, they might have like three or four featherweight fights a year. And it's usually just people that can't make bantamweight, like you said, or, um, you know, and then there's the occasional fight that can't even make featherweight, um, you know, but they, you know, it, the, the division was created for cyborg. And then, you know, and then at this point, it just became a vehicle so that Nunez could carry two belts around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go to the rest of the month here. Uh, UFC Vegas 74, Amir Albazi picked up a controversial split decision win over Kai Kara France. A lot of people thought that uh, KKF won that bout. Talked afterwards how the loss cost him about $100,000 and all this stuff. There was a, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about this bout afterwards. And on the uh, undercut, Jim Miller, uh, rebounding from his uh, cataract issues that we talked about the last episode, picked up a 23-second knockout win, and Jim Miller just continued to do it and do it, do it. He's going to get to UFC 300 one way or another and uh, going to keep on going and going. But Jim Miller still doing his thing in the UFC. Fight night again in Vegas. Uh, Jared Cannonier beating uh, Marvin Vittori, former a battle, former uh, middleweight title challengers, and setting the record Cannonier did for the most significant strikes in a fight at middleweight. So Jared Cannonier uh, still kind of uh, trying to get back to the top there. Who knows? Uh, Armin Sarukian picked up a third round knockout win, or Shaquem Silva in the co-main event. Uh, we had some uh, fights made. We had Curse Blades versus uh, the aforementioned Jalton Almeida was set for a UFC Brazil headliner. We had a lot of talk about Tyson Fury and John Jones. Tyson Fury coming to the UFC and Tyson Fury claiming he got an offer. Dana White saying if Tyson Fury was serious, you know, come on down. We'll we'll make the money work. We'll find it and, and make it happen. Still has not happened to this point. So we'll actually see if Tyson Fury ever, ever comes to the UFC again. He claims he got an offer. Who knows if that's actually legit. Uh, Conor McGregor in the news for the bad stuff. Punching the Miami Heat mascot during an NBA Finals game in a skit. The guy actually in the outfit had to go to the emergency room because he legit got hurt. Uh, McGregor was later accused of sexual assault. Actually, assault that allegedly happened during the game itself. That's pretty crazy. Uh, so we'll talk more about you know Connor's various legal wranglings throughout the year. Chris Weidman uh, was set to make his return against Brad Tavares. Of course, this would be the first fight from Weidman ever since that uh, horrific uh, leg break that he had in the action, which, again, is still the craziest thing that he fought. Anderson Silva and Anderson Silva broke his leg. Chris Weidman, a later fight, breaking his leg in a similar fashion. Just really weird how life works like that. Uh, Bigfoot Silva retired yet again after his left straight loss in a you know Brazilian promotion. Some, or it could have been a, a, a some small promotion. He's still fighting and retired yet again. After loss number 11, Corey Sanhagen versus Umar Namagomedov was set for a fight night made event in Nashville. Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie was set for a UFC fight night made event in Singapore. Cyril Gan versus Sergey Spivak booked for a uh, fight night made event in Paris as the company would head, uh, head to France. Talk more about that in the series. Henry Cejudo, uh, RA set to uh, his next fight, saying going to take on Cheeto Vera at uh, UFC 292 in Boston in August as the promotion make their return. Back to Massachusetts for the first time since, what, January 2020? 2020, that's right. It happened before the pandemic, the Cormier uh, and Ghana fight there. Uh, JDS versus Fabricio Verdum was signed for Jorge Masvidal's bare-knuckle promotion. Uh, there's a lot of talk about this in mainstream media and yeah. otherwise. Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. And they talked that you know they would they wanted to fight in the, in the octagon for the UFC. We hear this all the time. But Dana White said it's 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 legit. Like these guys, that there's actually talks about doing this. Uh, it never did happen. Apparently, Musk's mother 
uh, allegedly talked him out of doing it. But uh, Dana said it was, this was actually like legit talked about as this could happen. So uh, yeah, UFC has changed a lot since uh, some of the, uh, you know, the days of Dana White, you know, being very strict on who was going to fight and all this type of stuff. And then you had uh, two tech billionaires before uh, they're going to go at it. So who knows? I think, I think he said he, he predicted like a million pay-per-view buys or more or something like that. Oh, I, I think he said 10. 10, 10. Oh, it might have been 10. Yeah, you're right. Something yeah. something crazy. Because like he that. thought he was going to gross a billion dollars. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso, the rematch for uh, Grasso's flyweight title was set for mid-September, but going to be on a, a fight night event as part of Mexican Independence Day and not, uh, not an actual pay-per-view. That was the first time in a long time that a title match would happen on free TV. Uh, UFC and ABC 5 results. Ilya Tapuria continuing his run towards what he hopes to be a future title shot, defeating Josh Emmett. Dana White said he had no interest in cross-promotion for a uh, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones fight, despite the fact that both promotions are on ESPN and just kind of just, just dismissed it completely. Uh, no big surprise there. And Jose Enrique was suspended for two years by USADA before he even had his first ever UFC fight because he failed uh, He failed to disclose some of the medications he was taking as part of his onboarding. We'll talk more about USADA in future episodes. But yeah, quite a, quite a run for Jose Enrique. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, yeah, the um, that UFC Vegas 74, the Albazi and uh, Kai Car France. That was another one I took some heat for because I scored it for Albazi. Uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, and then Jim Miller, uh, scoring a KO was just, you know, Jim freaking Miller was just <laughs> trending, I think on Twitter, on Twitter that, uh, that night, it's just so great to see him going on. And it's funny because he, you know, UFC 300 is coming up, like I think in March, March or April, he's obviously going to be on that card and he's doing a fight in January. <laughs> like he's, you know what wow. I mean? Like I thought for sure they'd just keep him on, on, you know, on bubble wrap until then. He's like, no, I just want to keep going. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this dude's still fighting UFC 400, but, um, you know, I, I, I'd love to see it. Um, he's And he still, you know, has good performances. Like, he's not going to contend for a title anytime soon, but, um, you know, like, this fight was too bad because it was, uh, basically, it was a bulked up featherweight, might be even a bantamweight, and he got the call on, you know, like, one week's notice. Um, one of my buddies, I, I have a mutual friend with him. I don't know if you know, you know James McDaniel? Um, long time uh, F4W legend. Um, he uh, he's good friends with the guy that Jim Miller knocked out there. And, and oh was, no, you know, kind of, yeah. Uh, but you know the guy did UFC a favor, so I, I think he'll get. You know, he's gonna he's gonna fight again. I don't think he's booked yet, but uh, they're gonna do him a favor. Um, the uh, that uh, Zuckerberg and Elon Musk thing. I you know I'm like I try to stay off social media unless people tag me. Um, so when I, when I started to see about this, like, I just thought it was somebody's like bad idea of a joke. I, and I guess kind of, it almost was, but when Dana White's acknowledging it and people are talking about it and it's like, is this really going to happen? I'm like, there's no way. Like, that was just my, my initial reaction. Like this can't happen, you know? And then, you know, like it, it was got legs and to the point where it seemed like maybe it was going to happen. And, uh, but I just, I remember every time we would do, a, I would get ready for the podcast and it's like, I talked to Ryan and he's like, should we talk about these? No, no, we're not <laughs> talking about this. And he just refused. He just never wanted to even acknowledge this because he was like me. He was just convinced it was never going to happen. And it was a stupid idea. And why waste any breath talking about it? But it did make for a fun couple months as, as the two snipe back and forth in the media and Dana White kept pretending to promote a fight that was, you know, almost certainly never going to happen, but um, yeah, it was interesting. 
Um, the um, and and I thought that was a really um, like the announcement that Shevchenko and Grasso were going to fight in Vegas on uh, you know for Mexican Independence Day at the time. I thought, man, that's really odd because they they oftentimes are struggling to come up with title fights for some of these pay per views. They mm. you know they even you know create the BMF title so that they can have a title fight and and then now here they're going to do this on a thing. And I wasn't sure how it was going to work and I wasn't even sure if it was going to happen. But it ended up being really successful, and uh, and we'll talk about that on the next show. But um, it may actually end up being an annual tradition, which uh, I, I really like. That was one of my favorite shows of the year, mm. uh, watching that show. So um, you know, it was a good idea for them, and uh, and uh, great plans. Uh, and then the other the other thing that struck out was the Dana White talking about the cross promotion. I think that all came about. This is when. Uh, John Jones showed up on one of the PFL shows and, and, you know, he was asked about it and man, like whenever he's asked about Nganu, like he does not like Francis Nganu. He can't help um, himself. I, yeah. He can't. No, stop. I, yeah, I saw this firsthand, uh, you know, at a, at a press conference that I was at, like his just demeanor changed. Like when he's asked about Francis Nganu and um, you know, I think he's still stung that he couldn't get that deal done. And uh, and then Ngano decided to walk, and it probably hurt you know stings him even more that Ngano's been successful since he left, mm-hmm. and uh, you know more than PFL, I think he just doesn't want Ngano to succeed. I don't think he gives a crap about PFL, but he he does not want Francis Ngano to succeed. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And uh, we will see. We'll talk more about Ngano in the uh, final two episodes of this, as we lead up to his boxing yeah. debut. But yeah, this is a uh, yeah another interesting spin through uh, the second three months Q two of the year. Get some retirements and interesting news, and yeah, Anisanya, big gates, yeah, retirements, Donald Trump, everything in between. Paul, a little bit of everything here. Before we let you go, uh, give you a chance, obviously, to plug uh, where people can read you and hear you and all that good stuff. Floor is yours. Yeah, um, so I uh, I do regularly the Dynamite Show on uh, Fight Game Media Network uh, YouTube channel. Um, as well as uh, it'll be free starting in January on all your major podcast platforms. So just search Fight Game Media and sign up for the free feed and you'll get all the shows that we do, including mine. And another show I do on the network is MMA related is In the Clinch, the MMA podcast with Ryan Frederick. We do that every week. It drops uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday mornings. We record Tuesday nights. So we always you know, talk about the show that happened the week before, preview the, the week ahead and and do the news. And Ryan's often has news that is not public yet. He's he's got he's well sourced. And a lot of the stuff he talks about ends up becoming bigger news later in the week. So you can hear it first when you listen to our show. Um, and uh, as well, if you're uh, obviously on this network, I did a show uh, earlier this week with Gary Gonzalez. Uh, we're live, pal. I filled in for Andrew Zarian, and we had a fun show. We talked about what's good in the world of pro wrestling. So if you like listening to me and you want to hear me talk to Garrett, you can check that out. I believe it's in the audio feed as well as on the uh, on the free F4W YouTube channel. So you can check that out and uh, let me know what you think in the comment section or you know, just shoot me a Twitter, uh, at Paul Ace Fontaine or on Twitter X. And I'm on Facebook and uh, threads at Paulie's Fontaine as well. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and I interact with anybody as long as you're nice to me. If you're not nice, I'll block you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, Paul, thanks again so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time for rounding out the summer and entering the fall. We'll have, what, uh, July, August, and September. So, yeah, interesting months ahead. And uh, look forward to it. Paul Fontaine, thanks so much.